welcome to the Warrington Football Podcast. Welcome to the Warrington Football Podcast. It's me, Wills. I'm on this week with Jacko, Ashflat, Tim Tate, and special guest this week, Matt Turner, the sports journalist from the Warrington Guardian. We've also got a great interview lined up with Tom Dore from Lim Rovers. What we're going to be discussing this week is all the usual stuff with Town and Rylands, and of course the national stuff and all the other chess football league stuff again. This is the Warrington Football Podcast. Welcome to the Warrington Football Podcast, it's Jacko. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about, about Warrington Town and Warrington Islands. This was going to be our derby special, but unfortunately due to results elsewhere, it meant that Warrington Town and Warrington Islands has been postponed to a, for a future date. We are joined by special guest Matt Turner. I, on the radio, I called him the number one sports journalist in Warrington, I seem to remember, and it's very nice he's decided to slum it with us. Welcome, Matt. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me on. So... How have you found the season so far, Matt? I know you missed a few games because of being away, but how have you found it so far? Yeah, it's 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 good to have football back. Um, obviously, my uh, a lot of my time is taken up with uh, with the egg shaped ball, and that's that's not been the uh, that's not been the greatest of of seasons. So it's nice to uh, it's nice to have a bit of a change and have uh, and have football back because it's uh, a part of my job I, I really enjoy. And obviously, it's a really interesting year this year with with Town and Rylands both at. Uh, both at the same level, and we're looking. We we're looking forward to a first. I think it's the first competitive meeting between the two in nearly fifty years. But uh, we'll have to we'll have to wait a little bit longer now, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So we'll talk about a little bit about last week's game so far. Um, Ash, you were at the Warrington Islands versus Marine game. What was your thoughts on the game last week? Yeah, the game um, against Marine. It was um, quite a tight game. Um, you know, both both teams were uh, you know really putting in a lot of effort, and uh, you know from what I've seen with Ryland so far this season is that um, you know they have been the the better team all in all, but uh, you know Ryland just haven't been putting the ball in the back of the net at the end of the day. Um, the last two games before this, so Ryland was you know really improved defensively, and uh, that was the key to uh, Ryland's win one nil against Marine. Um, there's a good goal from David Webb in the first half. It was uh, after a bit of um, you know good possession from Rylands, and um, you know they managed to keep Marine out at the end. They were just pumping players forward, so in the last five ten minutes, quite nervy, but Rylands managed to keep them out thankfully. So, um, how much have you seen of Rylands so far, Matt? Uh, I'll be honest, I've not had a chance to get to a, a Rylands game yet, but you know, Ash, Ash, you know, paints a pretty. It looks a pretty solid picture there in that, you know, going forward, they look they look pretty dangerous. And they, and they did all last year, you know, they scored over 100 goals last year. And, um, you know, the way of playing that they that they have, they do create they do create a lot of chances. And, you know, maybe in the early parts of the season, it, 
it hasn't quite been going in, but you know, there's there seems to have been signs before before yesterday anyway that uh, they've kind of got the balance right between attack and defence, having kept three clean sheets in a row. Obviously, it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back from uh, from yesterday. Some uh, some pretty uh, interesting comments from Dave McNabb after the game. He didn't uh, he certainly didn't hold back in his in his post match interview. So you'd think there'll uh, there'll be a reaction from the Rylands players. Yeah, as a, as a town fan, I think it's what a, what a good thing that town drew yesterday because I think the backlash from Rylands could be could have been quite uh, intense. Um, you know, Dave McNabb, I've, I've not seen him have an interview like that before. Um, he's usually quite calm and he's usually quite measured, but I think he he must have been absolutely raging. Uh, Ash, you said he was not letting anyone anywhere near the change room yesterday. No, no. Um, as soon as the um, as soon as the lads got in the changing rooms, you know, half time as well as full time. He, um, you know, no one was allowed in, and that's how it should be. You know, such a poor performance from the team. You know, you want the manager to come out and do something about it, and um, he definitely did that. He, he kept it away from everyone else, so you know he wasn't, you know, disrespecting any of the players in front of fans or anything like that. But um, I don't know what happened in that change room, but I know for sure that Brown's uh, going to come out in the next game really fighting, and you know, following from what you said there, Jacko. I um I'm a bit gutted that the town game's not happening because that would have been a perfect time for Derby Day because you're fired up anyway, but then you're also fired up because you want to rebound off a poor game. Yeah, I mean, so look, we haven't actually explained why Ryan's why Ryan's were so angry yesterday. Why was winning the FA Cup up against Hyde? Um, they went three 0 down after about 17 minutes, I think it was. Um, yeah, I got I got off to a great start, and I know I know that. I've spoke to Hibbo in the past and Hibbo was saying he, they really wanted a cup run this year. So I think that's double disappointment, particularly financially. It has a massive impact on, on the club. Um, you know, the FA Cup to non-league fans is massive. I mean, Matt's a Rochdale fan, I'm sure it's the same for Rochdale. The FA Cup means so much more to lower league and non-league fans than it does to Premier League clubs. And to see a performance like that at home, it must have been absolutely gutting for, for Rylands. Um, so, yeah. Very disappointing. We've seen from um, you know, the likes of Marine, who uh, obviously town faced on Bank Holiday Monday. They had a big injection of cash because of that game um, in the FA Cup following their run against Spurs. So they've um, you know, they've been able to uh, to not only you know get a good payday from a cup run, but they've managed to you know invest in the team, invest in the club, and you know they obviously got promoted last year as well. And they're going to be competitive in this league this season too. So. He just shows the benefits of a good cup run and the finances that brings that comes your way. Matt, do you agree with me though? This shows that the league is really close because Hyde, they're usually a team that punch above the weight, but Ryan's are quite highly fancied this year of being in and around the playoffs. Is it does it show that if you're off by you're off your game by two or three percent, you get battered? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's such a competitive league, the uh, the Northern Premier League Premier. Anybody can beat anybody on any given day. You know, at, at the weekend, you saw Belperu, obviously Ryland's pumped 5-0 away from home last weekend, went to Stafford, who were unbeaten, and again, are quite highly fancied this year after a solid year last year, and 1-2-1. That's no, a result that nobody really called. So it's, you know, you, you interview the managers every week, and they all, they, every one thing they always say every week is that there's no easy games at this level. There's, you know, anybody can beat anybody on any given day. So it's uh, yeah, it's you, you've got to be on your game every single week. 
Yeah, so we'll, we'll just talk about Warrington Town now. So Warrington Town last Monday played Nantwich two and won by two goals to one. Um, and just to reinforce what we were saying about close games, Nantwich hadn't won all season. Town have had a decent start to the season, but it was a close game. Matt, were you there, Matt, or were you at the rugby? I wasn't, no, I was at the rugby, unfortunately. But um, I think it, it's a result Town needed, I think, because, um, as you said, they had got off to a, a pretty solid start, but it just... Just in danger of losing a little bit of momentum, obviously, having got beat at Ashton on the Saturday, which that was a game I was at, and that was that was a strange old game. I don't know if you were there, Jacko. It was, no, I missed uh, that one. Oh, it was it was one of those. The ball just won't go in. Um, they dominated the game. Uh, they hit the bar, they hit the post, and then uh, I think Ashton had two chances, and they both ended up in the back of the net. Um, but you know, I think I, I spoke to Mark Beasley last night uh, on his way home from Morpeth. And I think he he hit the nail on the head in what he said in that uh, teams aren't having to work too hard to score against Town at the minute, whereas Town are having to work really really hard for their goals, and that that I think sort of sums up what I've what I've seen from Town this year. They're they're putting a lot of decent play together in the final third, but just that final ball, the final pass, the final shot is just just a little bit off at the minute. Yeah, I agree. I mean, on Monday Monday the big turning point for me was. Jordan Buckley, who's been a fantastic striker for town over the last few years, got injured and then they ended up having to put Isaac Buckley Ricketts up front and he suddenly, it changed the game. They had a bit of pace in the back. Um, I, I think Buckley Ricketts is much more effectual through the middle. Um, so maybe this injury crisis they've got at the moment with strikers, hopefully we get to see Buckley Ricketts through the middle a bit more often because um, he's a good, he's a, he's a cracking little player. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that. He's... Um... You know, the reports I had from pre-season were that he was very, very lively uh, when being played through the middle alongside Mikey Howard because Josh Amos and Jordan Buckley had, had injuries. But it is quite a uh, it is quite an injury list they've got at the minute. And I don't think, I'm not sure they'll be too disappointed that the uh, the Rylands game has been pushed back because they have, obviously, they went up to Morpeth yesterday with the likes of uh, Jordan Buckley injured, Jay Harris injured. Sean Williams injured, uh, Mitch Duggan still, still suspended. Uh, Josh Amos, I think he did come on, but I think that was a bit of a last resort um, because he's still suffering from. I think he had, I think he had tonsillitis or something like that. He was in a bad way over the last week, so uh, they've got a chance to get some bodies back. They have had a, uh, they have had a couple through the door, uh, including former Rylands player Det Walker, who's who come off the bench yesterday. Um, so that that would have added an interesting dynamic to uh, to Tuesday, at least if uh, if it had gone ahead. But uh, he's a, I think he's a solid enough sign, and he uh, he's he's got Ash will, pro- Ash will probably tell you more than me, but he's got he seems to have a very very good delivery from the dead ball, Det Walker, and uh, I know they've been doing a lot of work on set pieces uh, of Warrington Town, so that could be uh, it could be a decent weapon for him on that front. Yeah, yeah I'd so- be interested to know your thoughts on um, Det Walker when you kind of come see him. Uh, playing Jacko because um, um, oh, I don't remember much of him from last season. Um, you know, he, he was uh, you know from chatting to people, you know, he's a you know good a good enough player. You know, played uh, to a good standard, but um, I'm not sure if he if he was playing for anyone in in a lower division at all. But um, I think he was pretty much just like kind of plucked off the street. So uh, for me, you know, he'd have already been signed to a club at this level or or even. In the um, in the West Division, um, if he was you know good enough for this sort of league, so I, I think he probably is going to be more of a rotation than just cover. Um, 
but um, it'll be interesting to see how he, how he does, whether he, he is able to push for a regular space in the town team. Yeah, so we, we talk about Deck Walker here, but the one I was really happy with to sign him was uh, Teddy Mafani. Now, I saw him playing pre-season against town. Um, Blackpool Played for Blackpool, centre-half. Was magnificent against town. Absolutely magnificent. And if he can perform like that every week, town have got a real star in the future. Matt, have you seen much of him? Yeah, I uh, I was at that game that you mentioned the uh, the Blackpool twenty threes game. He played as a uh, he played as a trialist. I think he was at. I think he was released by Preston in the summer, and he had a he had a very brief loan spell at Witten towards the end of last year. Um, and again in that game, he was very very impressive. He's he's well built for a young lad. He's quick uh, and seen decent on the ball. And I think more than anything, it adds competition because they only they only really had Tom Hannigan and Evan Gums, who've both been. We've both been very good for, uh, in what in the games I've seen, um, but they've only really got them two as centre halves at the minute. Um, obviously, Mitch Duggan can fill in there, but he's still suspended at the moment. So, just to, if anything, to add add competition and uh, and keep those two on the toes, it's uh, it's a good deal for Town. Yeah, uh, who's who stood out for you this season so far, Matt? In the games you've seen, who's been the player you think he's having a good start to the season? I think Kevin Gums for me. Um, he looks fit. He looks uh, he looks sharp. Is uh, he, we know he's always been able to read the game very well, and technically he's a very talented centre half. Um, obviously, he's he had a horrendous time with injuries, and um, he was sort of still working his way back from that last year. But I think towards the end of last season, he started to exert his influence a little bit more, and I think he started he started this season really well for me. So he'd he'd probably be my standout. Yeah, so Town obviously drew last yesterday two all with Morpeth. It does mean that they've got a replay on Tuesday. Town will fancy the chances up down here on Tuesday night, I would think. Morpeth, I saw them in the opening day, they weren't anything great. They weren't, they were they were a typical Morpeth side for the last few seasons. Very, very stop start, very much, you know, sportsmanship with gamesmanship with what you what you'd give them. Um see watching them play three times in a season is probably a bit much, I've got to be honest, but you know. And we'll have to play him four times this year. Now, hopefully, don't get him the trophy. But yeah, it's it's. I think Town would fancy the chances. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you've got you've got to fancy your chances on a, a Tuesday night at home against an opponent who have had a, a very 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 long journey. Um, by all accounts, yesterday Town should have had the game absolutely sewn up by half time. That's even coming from the Morpeth manager. I think he uh, I think he said in his interview that Town quite conceivably could have been five one up at half time yesterday. So I think if they uh, if they sharpen up in and around both boxes, as Mark Beasley said, I think they should uh, they should have enough to get the job done. And we'll, and we'll just move on, touch on Saturday's games. Um, Rylands uh, got home to Mask. Mask unbeaten so far. What have you seen much of? I, mean, I haven't seen anything of Mask. To be honest with you, I don't know much about him. Uh, I went up to Mask with Town um, in the season that got cut short through COVID um, at the pretty much the very beginning. It was a, an FA Trophy tie and Town were beaten 3-1 and they were beaten 3-1 pretty convincingly uh, and Mars were in the division below at that point. Um, I believe they've also got one of my all-time favourite Rochdale players, Jason Kennedy, playing for them. So uh, it'd be good to see him around in these parts. But it'd be, it'd be a good game. I think looking at it, they're, uh, they're the two highest scorers in the league. Uh, yeah, right, yeah. So Both on uh, 11 goals in six games. So it's um, I think it will be a... A good scoring game, and um, you know, from from Ryland's side, you know, coming up against a team who's going to be 
you know, scoring quite well. You know, they've got to make sure they take the chances because they get plenty of opportunities. Um, the rounds were missing two key players in midfield, which I think is where the game on Saturday in the cup really, uh, really, really broke down because they're, um, you know, they're number eight, um, uh, for, for Hyde, um, Liam Tong, he, he was he won everything, absolutely everything. And um, you know, they had a like, pretty, pretty nippy lad on the left wing as well, who was, um, you know, able to come off to the end of them and then start attacking moves. So if Rounders don't sort that uh, midfield out, um, I'll say hopefully they get some of these key plays back in, uh, you know, Dean Furman and uh, get Jack McCourt back. If those are back in the squad for Saturday, then I'd hope to see a much improved midfield and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, not as not as open to be conceding goals against this high-scoring team. Yeah, Dean, Dean Furman's a huge miss whenever he's, he's not playing. He's, he's so experienced. He, he, he knits everything together and everything sort of, everything goes through him as they sort of try and play, play through the third. So he is, he is a huge miss when he's when he's not available. And as as you say, Ash, if they can get him and Jack McCourt in the same midfield, they'll be, they'll be extremely well set. Yeah, that's it. And, and you know, Dean Fermer can just sit back and basically give Jack the the freedom to uh, to go forward because uh, you know Jack likes to be like pushing on into the box, getting some shots away. Um, I say he scored in his debut early in the season from a uh, a shot like 25, 30 yards out. So he's got that um, like clinical touch to uh, to do, and you know, having having someone like Dean behind him just gives him um, more confidence and all that. If something does happen, and you know, we lose possession. There's cover there while he gets back in position. Yeah, definitely. So, Town have got another long trip on Saturday. Um, they're going up to Whitby. Now, Whitby are a team that are usually in and around the playoffs. They've had an absolute shocking start to the season. But I will put a caveat in that. Even though they've not got a... I think they've only got one point so far. The caveat is they've not lost by more than two goals. So, every game's been 2-1, 1-0. They drew 0-0. I think they've lost one nil three times. It's always a tricky place to go with. But Matt, are you off? Are you are you going to head up there? No, I'm. Uh, I'm actually. I'm actually camping this weekend in Wales, so I'm. Uh, I'm off duty this weekend. But I always. I always seem to be either away or busy elsewhere for Whitby because it's one of the. Um, it's one of the grounds in the MPL that I've not actually done yet. So I was a little bit gutted when it fell on this weekend, and it's. Um, I gather there'll be quite. A, I've gathered there's quite a gang of town fans going up, so I think there'll be. Uh, They'll be well supported because it's always a good weekend up there in Whitby. But as um, as you say, it's always always a tough place to go up there. They make it hard for you no matter what what kind of form they're in. Um, so again, they haven't they haven't won yet, but they've they've got to win at some point. And uh, you know, time will be open. It's not Saturday. Yeah, it's it's having the only good thing about Whitby is a cracking chippy near the near the ground. Um, <laughs> You've been up there a few times, haven't you, Jacko? You're not going up on Saturday. Uh, I'm thinking about it. It's either that or going to watch more because I, I promised to go this week and uh, bingo for obvious for reasons other than be on the radio is the main reason. But, um, <laughs> if you go, it's because of the chippy. Oh yeah, all day, all day. Uh, honestly, it, it's the only chippy I've been to about like years where they still serve it in newspaper. So you have like you have like chippy paper, and then you have newspaper wrapped around it. Oh, it's amazing. It's, I, I hope it's still there anyway. You know what I mean? Because it might have fallen into the sea. <laughs> um, so yeah that's Warrington Town and Warrington Rylands chat Matt big thank you for coming on no problem guys thanks for having me on yeah no cheers problem. Matt and, we'll, and I'm sure we'll get you on numerous times um, just so you can stop us sounding like rambling idiots 
<laughs> no, anytime, guys. Thanks again. Cheers, Matt. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Go. So we're now going to go into the Cheshire League. Um, it's been a busy week for the Cheshire League sides. Um, Dayton, they're now seven points from safety. They got absolutely tonked at all, missing by Pointon, who were moving to third place by five goals to nil. Um, disappointing result for Dayton. They, they haven't got a point yet. Um, they really need to start picking up some some points at some point soon. They did have a similar se- um, similar start to last season, so hopefully they can just get a bit of form back together and get a couple of points. I think once the first win comes in, then they'll be much improved. Um, defensively, they were a bit of a shambles. When I went to watch them, um, they were they were they were poor defensively. Defensively was where their, their main weaknesses. Um, I think you know when when you get off to a bad start, which they they have done. It becomes more obviously mental going to the games. They're obviously going to be low on confidence. It you know they, they just need to all all get together and hopefully you know if they could pull a result out you know it sounds like it sounds daft but something like a you know if they edge a game one nil or something like that, it could make a, a massive difference to the to, to the team. Yeah, um, they, they seem to start poorly as well. So they go the the, the two or three nil down in batches. If that makes sense. Get that, and then they get get going and yeah, it's work to do, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, you know, the the goal difference. You know, they're kind of you know averaging about you know three nil defeat pretty much. Uh, was it twenty three negative goal difference after eight games? So um, I can you know, tell you're an accountant, Ash. But what one thing that they've got to do is say, you know, even if you know games where they say you know it's two nil down last minute in the game or something, don't let the reds drop because it's, you know if they let another goal in at the ends. Then um, you know that goal could be key at the end of the season because when they're coming to, you know, when they get that first win, get the points on the board, you know, they, they will go on a bit of a decent run because, you know, we, we saw it last year with them, and um, that uh, that goal difference is like an extra point at the end of the day. So they need to uh, make sure that they don't just you know let the floodgates open when when the games don't go their way. Yeah, like like I said on last week's podcast, I know Ryan Lees is back now in the in the dugout and. We're hoping to get him on the show in a few weeks' time because um, he was a major catalyst in keeping him up last year. Um, he came in and really changed the fortunes of the club. Um, another person who's coming on soon is, is Penno, uh, Lee Pennington of Greenalls. They've had an absolutely awful run recently. Um, they've not won since the opening day, which was the game we were all at. Um, they've been really poor. They got beat again yesterday by six goals to two against Crew uh, FC. I've watched Crew a couple of times over the past few years, and they're no great shakes. Um, but they are one of the highest scorers in the league, which is a bit of a strange one, even though they're down near the bottom of the league. Um, they are actually one of the highest scorers in the division. But Greenall's actually got one of the worst defensive record. They've conceded 30 goals in nine games. Um, and they, you're not going to win any game of football conceding six and barely scoring. They've only scored eight goals themselves. It's, it's not good enough for Greenall's, and I'm sure Penno is going to be working on showing up like the fence because defences win games. Certainly this league, anyway, this level. Um, we'll move on to Eagle. Eagles up and down seasons continued. Um, they got they, they did really well last week against Broadheath. Broadheath were top of the league and they only lost by one goal to nil. This week, uh, they got beat by three goals to you by Winnington Avenue. I've seen Winnington this year. They, I saw them play against Greenalls. They were quite a solid side. They were quite a good team. Um, Eagles, goals gave him Callum Clegg. And Callum Burgess, both getting their first goals of the season. Um, and Burgess is his first goal since joining from Greenhalls. So hopefully now he's off the mark for them. He'll get a few more goals. But at the moment, the, the three Warrington sides in the in the in the Cheshire Premier 
are all in the bottom of the league and we need them to start winning some games so we have some positivity to talk about in the Cheshire. Yeah, three make up though three make up that bottom four and yeah obviously only two are gonna go down but so you know we don't want to see any of those teams going down so you know uh Greenalls are dating at the uh at the bottom of the relegation zone you know they're gonna have to uh you know switch things on pretty quick. Yeah um, if- at least with Eagle it was only you know they were only kind of one one goal away from getting something out of the game. Um, I know the manager wasn't very happy at the end of the game, was he, Jacko? No, if you, if you want to see what Danny Nixon's thoughts were um, on the game, just go on his Twitter page and you'll see the, the, full, the full thoughts of, his, his, of the performance. Um, it, was, it was pretty much calling the players' attitudes out, which I think is fair enough. I think if, you, if you're going 2-0 down in the first half again, then you, know, you come back and play really well. You know, when you when you play league leaders last week, you only lose one nil. It suggests your attitude isn't quite in the right place. Um, so maybe that the kick up the backside they needed, um, and we'll see next week. Um, we'll move into League Two now. Um, I was meant to be at this game. I'm a bit gutted I didn't go. Um, Moore United won by two goals to against Newton and the Willows. Um, Moore are now fourth, but they do have games in hand. Um, so that was. Another good win for more. I, I want to get down and watch them because they're the only Cheshire League side other than um, Lim Rovers I've not seen yet. So I want to get down and see more. Um, I was meant to go this weekend, but unfortunately I ended up on the radio. So that was why I didn't end up going. Um, we'll talk about Lim Rovers now. Lim Rovers aren't a team we've mentioned before, but we've decided they are part of Warrington and they are part of the Warrington football family. And earlier, Tim spoke to Tom Daw, Lim Rovers' first team manager. Hi, welcome to the Warrington Podcast. I have um, Tom Dore on today. He's the Lim Rovers Open Age coach who are playing in the Cheshire League, League Two, and the reserve team are playing in Reserve Division Two. And Tom is also the business partner of Dynamic Football Coaching. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? I am well, thank you. Tim, how are you, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm glad to have another United fan on the podcast tonight. <laughs> It was a nice win for us, wasn't it? No, mate, it was class. Uh, I can't lie, I wasn't expecting that against Arsenal. Um, but, you know, good performance. Anthony getting his debut goal as well, which is nice to see. Uh, onwards and upwards, I suppose, isn't it? Yep, let's fingers crossed it carries on the good run. So, um, let's talk about Lim Rovers. And it's yep. their first season in the Cheshire League. Um, first team are having a really good run. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're, um, you know, we're starting to pick up a little bit of form. Um, we're learning how to play in the league. It's a really big step up from where we've, where the majority of the lads have come from. And, you know, I think a lot of it is down to learning how to play to the standard and not just the kick and run tactics that we were used to. Um, so, yeah, we are climatising and the, the, rules, the results are showing now with the first. Yeah, and um, you were involved in yesterday's win. I was indeed. Uh, I'm just glad the um, the nutmeg that got planted on me hasn't done the rounds on the socials yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was trying to pay as much money as I could to get out of the edit on the uh, on the highlights. I think it's uh, I think it's, I think it's missed the uh, highlight reel, thankfully. So I I know from um, experience of you coaching my son that you've got a massive love of grassroots football. Um, can you tell me a little bit about 
you know, your history in football and things like that, please? Yeah, I mean, for myself, grassroots football is all I've known, really. I've never hit the, the heights of what some of my teammates did at my grassroots level. I was part of a Lim Rovers team, which were unbeaten for three years. And out of that team, there's ex-players. Of, some of the teammates, sorry, had gone uh, to play pro. Uh, one most, uh, probably the highest up the ladder was uh, John Ostabashi, who went out to Turkey to play for Denzel Sport. Um, very smug um, when he was uh, sh- sending it into the lads' uh, WhatsApp group. His first game was a pre-season friendly. He was playing against Samuel Leto. So um, he, um, he, he, he peaked out of our group. Um, but yeah, for me, grassroots football was where I spent all my football time, really. Maybe I had the uh, football IQ to play higher, but my legs didn't agree with my brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and where did the love of coaching come into play then? Yeah, really hypocritically, I was an awful player to coach, apparently, according to all my coaches, uh, <laughs> one of which was my dad. <laughs> so, um, but I, 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 you know what? I think it just sort of twigged where I was like, you know what? I just love football. I love being around. It. I love watching it. I love going to like you know your local teams to go and watch. Uh, and I think for me, it just it just spiraled from there. Really, it, it becomes you you do an hour on one night for your local grassroots team, and that hour becomes free, and it just it snowballed from there. Really. Yep. And then where where did you get into creating your own business then through coaching? So I can actually one of the only positives to come out of COVID was this idea that myself and Craig, my business partner, should finally put our heads together and go for it. Um, we've always worked for people in the community uh, that's in school, in the school environment and out of school in grassroots clubs in the evenings. And then uh, there was just an opportunity and it was with Lim Rovers and the other Lim team, Lim Piranhas. Um, and they just said, why don't, why don't, you know, we'll take you on. You just need to put a name on it, obviously, because otherwise, It'll just be coaching with Tom and Craig and it's not got the same ring to it. Um, so we just thought, you know, we'll chuck a banner on it and we'll uh, we'll go from there. And here we are a year and a half later. That's brilliant. So who are the standout players for Lim Rovers this season? Oh, I'll tell you what, I'm going to get some some uh, some roasting in the uh, the WhatsApp later. But uh, for me, I think, you know, we've got like, a, especially with that first team, there's a really good spine of you know, from the back to the front. And we've got uh, Chris Brownlow, uh, won't, won't mind me saying, he's in his early 40s, uh, ex-Telford player. He's he's just, you know, all the lads look up to him, so, so calm and cool at the back. Uh, and I think he allows us to play the sort of football we want to, coming from the back. And then we've got uh, Mick, Mick, uh, Mick Lynch and L Smith sat in front of him. Uh, Midfields, just honestly, God, like little fireworks in the middle of them too. They just, they just cover every blade of grass. L Smith scored an unbelievable goal yesterday. Um, just drove out from pretty much centre mid, flicked over two people's heads and just puts it past the keeper. And if, you know, give it, give a little look to the VO camera that was up, and just everyone claps him off. Uh, and then you've got the the dynamic duo up front, L Watkins and Roy Ridley Thomas, who just absolutely unbelievable together. They, they're like salt and pepper. They just they complement each other so well. Um, they just found good form together. They know where they, each other are on the pitch all the time. It's, it's effortless for them and it's good to see. So you, you're going to probably um, have a local derby this season with more in the same league? How yeah, do you think so, those will go? Well, we played, we played the our reserves played theirs and we got beat 2-0. It was quite an evenly contested game, I think. You know, you always say, don't you, could have, should have, would have. But unfortunately, that was the sort of game where we didn't. Um, and obviously, for me, Moore's a little bit, adds a little bit more. Because obviously, Craig, my business partner, is player coach for Moore as well. 
So it's uh, there's a lot on the table um, for that one, and he's 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 one nil up overall already. So hopefully level that next time we see him. Brilliant. Um, so who have you got coming up in the next week? Uh, so the we've not got a game this Saturday. The first, so it's the reserves are playing against. I think it's low stock. They're called. Uh, we're away to them. Um, it's a big game for the reserves. You know, we've uh, we've played four, lost four, but the performances have been unbelievable. The football we've played, it's just again we're we're all sat in the pub at the end of the uh, the end of the game, going how how we got beat there. Uh, our style was the exception. We got beat six one by them, and rightfully so. But all the other games we've sort of been scratching our heads, saying you know, how has that happened, and um. So that's the next one. That's where the big focus is this week, and where all the preparations going into. Brilliant. So you you mentioned that you've got VO technology on the sideline. Um, yeah. Do you, do you post that publicly, or can uh, we we have obviously on our Instagram account we will create like a five to ten minute highlight reel of you know all the stuff that can be goals, phases of play, you know, decent goalkeeping, good defending, anything like that. And then after that, you know, we use it ourselves. Uh, we break it down. We look at our shape at times when we conceded. How did we concede? You know, for a football coach, it's it's like invaluable. Like we've never had access to that before, and now we've got it. It's I can't. I don't know how we cope without it. <laughs> it was so privileged to have it, uh, and we use it to the best of our ability as well. Brilliant. So that helps with your session plans for for the upcoming weeks. Yeah, definitely. Because we we started um, the league with a certain shape, and we just found it didn't work. It didn't it didn't match with the the speed of play that we were playing against some of the opposition so we changed it and when we were looking at when we when we did change the new formation you know we were able to see where our players are better suited and you know how it compared to what we were doing at the start of the season it's just it's gone from strength to strength really it really helps emphasize some of the stuff we want to do and obviously for the lads it's, it's a good it's a good one for them to be able to see this is this is what he did really well and this is where the ball needs to move. Um, and then the counter side of that is, you know, where do we where we can improve individually and as a team. Yeah, it's great. It's great to see the passion in your coach. I coach myself, so you know, you get a lot back, don't you, from players? And you, yeah. you what you put into the training ground, you you want to see on that Saturday. Yeah, it's one hundred percent. And when it does pay off, it's like it's the most rewarding. You know, I don't need people, you know, clapping in you and telling you well done because you know, don't you, as a coach, you know, when something it works. You know, it's that's, it's the best feeling in the world. Yeah, you get that little buzz, don't you, as a coach, thinking, yes, thank yeah. you for putting that into your game. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to that hour of the session I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so what's for for the future for you this season um, with your coaching and your your game time? Um, so, it, you know, I found it quite difficult, to be fair, managing the game time with the coaching. It's quite hard to switch off and just become a player. Um, I'm quite a vocal player anyway. That's just how, that's my strength. You know, like I learned that early on um, when some of my friends were sort of excelling. I was like, well, if I can't be better, then maybe I can organise better. Um, but I think when you're mixing that with the coaching and it's, it's you, you almost end up watching your teammates more than what you're doing yourself. So it's like you're always half a second late to everything because you're trying to coach everyone else through the game. So I've struggled a little bit trying to switch off. So um, trying to focus when I'm on the pitch, I am as a player and I can organise, but I don't I shouldn't be coaching as much as I am on the pitch. Um, so trying to find that balance. But then the future for the club, we've just, you know, it's we, the, the meetings we've sat, we've got really big like, ambitions for the club and we've got the full backing of the committee there. And we've been really well received there considering we've only been there probably about two months as the men's team. And, you know, it's, it sounds like it's all systems going like I said, the plans we've got in place are amazing, and I think we'll only get go from strength to strength and uh, advertise a, 
a good community football club and uh, start attracting in um, players just to make it competitive as well. Brilliant, fantastic. Um, what about your coaching side then? I know you coach at a couple of clubs. Yeah. What's the um? What's the plan for that? Is that growing nicely for you? Yeah, it is. I mean, we're starting to now. We're starting to go forward a little bit. We were we were getting, we were trying to get to a certain level, which we feel like we've achieved now, and we've got you know we're very well known now, especially within Lim and starting to creep into Warrington now. Uh, we work with Lim Rovers, Lim Piranhas, and Atherton are our big three. Um, obviously, as you all know, with your Ted. Um, at Appleton and yep. again grassroots we're still sticking with grassroots football because we think you know that's that's where the heart of our football is that's where our whole philosophy is based around um, we could quite easily go and set up an academy and have this direct debit style of football which I don't agree with personally um, so we very much want to stay within the heart of football we're starting our own camps in October it's going to be the first ones at uh, Lim High School which is what we're excited about and then from then on, it's just pushing on. It's, you know, we want to start upskilling the coaches that we work with in the grassroots clubs. I'll be putting CPD sessions on for them, having a bank of session plans for them as well. Because, you know, I think one thing I take for granted as a football coach, I have this mental bank of sessions I can just pull out if something happens. Whereas nine out of 10 other coaches that are grassroots plan the session on the way in the car, <laughs> like a 10 yeah. minute journey and they're trying to work out what to do. So we want we won't be able to offer that support next. That's what's coming next, and it's a lot of work. But I think once we've got it done, we'll be something we'll be really proud of. Brilliant! That's great that you're giving back to your your, your childhood club and other clubs around the um, Warrington town area. It's great to hear. Um, yeah, thank you. Th- that's all that all the questions from me tonight, Tom. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Is there I anything, appreciate it. Anything else you'd like to put in or? Uh, no, I think I've said a bit. Like I said, I appreciated the, the little plug on the business side of things there. And it's a, it's an honour to be invited into this uh, Warrington sort of football community and, you know, onwards and upwards, like I said before. Brilliant. And um, we'll get you back on later on in the season to see how Lim Rovers and, and your coaching, uh, dynamic football coaching is getting on. Brilliant. Thank, Thank you. you very much. All right, Tom. Thank you. So that was Tom Daw from Lim Rovers. Um, excellent interview, interview there by Tim. Um, this weekend's fixtures in the Cheshire League. Before we move on to the next topic, Dayton are at home to Edgerton. Um, Edgerton also struggling in the Cheshire League this year, so Dayton would really need to get some points on the board there. Eagle face Wally, Bri- Wally Range, and then Greenalls host, oh, sorry, travel to Poynton. And in League Two, more are playing Holmes Chapel. So that's the Cheshire League roundup. This is the Warrington Football Podcast. Welcome back to the Warrington Football Podcast. We're now going to talk a little bit about Warrington stuff locally. So we'll start talking about Warrington Wolves Women FC. Um, they remain unbeaten this season. They've had a great start to the year. Uh, this week, they won 4-2 at home to Bresnik. Um, Chloe Green, I saw her a couple of weeks ago and she's got a hat-trick. She's continued a good form by getting yet another goal um, this week. The other goals were scored by Rachel Dickinson, Sam Hazall and Sophie Dale. Um, 
Been a impressive start from so far. Unbeaten. I think the second in the league now, just behind Berry FC. Um, it's exactly what they wanted. Um, I think Helen Dobson was quite keen on getting them promoted this year and hopefully they can get finally get over that last hurdle that they've struggled recently. Um, and they played again today or Sunday and they drew two all against Northwich Vix, Vixens. Sorry. Um, I've se- randomly I've seen Northwich Vixens play before um, against one of my uh, mates' teams back in the day. Um, but yeah, that's a two-all draw. They just got to stop conceding two goals a game. They'd be, they'd be all right then. They've been quite comfortably, but I think still it's unbeaten, though. Still unbeaten. I still unbeaten. When, yep. when, when, when Helen Dobson came on, I was kept on blaming the strikers, but this year it seems to be the defence conceding the goals. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they seem to be scoring. <laughs> um, but we're back onto, onto other, other grassroots football in Warrington today. Um, the Warrington Sunday League finally kicked off. Wilson, did you play today? No, 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 I didn't play today. Did you not, no, did you not turn taking, out for Wolfpack? No, no, take a bit more of a back seat this year. Because, uh, right, well, obviously the reason they lost is then because you didn't play. Um, <laughs> because Wolfpack lost by five goals to one against the bridge. Um, That's a win for Wolfpack, isn't it, that? The Wolfpack have actually, you know, improved actually over the last couple of years. Um, yeah. They, they actually beat Tim's reserves 3-1 in pre-season. <laughs> Yeah, team Wolfpack, come on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no... Um, to be fair, yeah. we scored two goals from. <laughs> uh, yeah, obviously... That's something you should be praising, Tim, to be honest with you. Wasn't me, so it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously, took obviously tough game. I think the bridge... Uh, but from what I can remember, the, the bridge were, to, you know, the up from Witness Way, I think. Yeah, um, they are, yeah. And I, I remember, you know, quite a few years back playing them and they were always a, a solid outfit so uh, I, f- I think they might have folded for a couple of years and come back I don't know because I, I haven't I haven't seen them or it might be because obviously they've merged the league into one division again now I'm not sure but um, but yeah so yeah as you, as you rightly said there Wills they've, they've, they've merged the two divisions so now it's one big league of 16 I think the last couple of years it's been two divisions of seven maybe maybe eight um, so yeah merging to the, the leagues together it's a bit of a gamble by the league because you end up with very, very one-sided games. Um, to be honest, um, a, a couple of years ago, uh, they, they, they did that and it, it was really tough. I don't know whether they just did it through kind of COVID, etc. But it, it, you know, it kind of felt like from a you know perspective playing for Wolfpack, we we were coming up against a, a team that we knew that we had no chance against, and then. A competitive game the week after, and it just seemed to always happen like that. So yeah. it almost felt like we were playing a, you know, a side that we thought that we could compete with, and then playing a, a team we had no chance with. And it just, it, it takes a bit of the enjoyment out of it a little bit. I mean, I think the two divisions set up last season was really good because, you know, we found that we were we were playing teams three or four times, but we were having some real, you know, competitive games with them and, and won, won quite a few games. Yeah, so to re- reinforce your point, Wills, and these are the scores from today. So the Crown 5, Chapelford 0. The Bridge 5, Wolfpack 1. St. Benedict's 1, Grappenall 4. Bull's Head 1, Blackbird Arms 1. Brickmakers 2, the King's Head 3. Um, the King's Head has got some of our ex-Bruce players in, a lad called uh, Jordan Rudge. Uh, we used to call him Full Kit, and we'll explain Josh one day. Rudge, Josh, Josh Rudge. Rudge. What did yeah, I say? Yeah. You said Jordan. Jordan Rudge. Jordan, Jordan Rudge. I'm not very good with names. And yeah, then, the Kings Edge are the, the, the old two that were at the Hawthorne. Is that what it was? 
Yeah, yeah. Just, and before that, they were the Rodney. So, you know, they're, they stick to the town pubs, but yeah, they're, they're, they're a good solid outfit, you know, a good side. And then the, the big result of the week, Beachwood nil, Sankey six. Now, a lot of the Sankey lads are Eagle players, Eagle on a Saturday. They play on a, they play on a Sunday. Um, and, you know, Lewis, Lewis Borford got a hat-trick, Amir Hadri got two, and Lewis McCaffrey got the, the, the sixth goal. So that's a, a bit of a thump in that. And this is what you're finding this, if you're sorry, going to be one division. Yeah, this is exactly reiterating my point, you know, teams like, you know, Sankey, etc. they're going to they're gonna have a walk over most weeks. There's not going to be many teams that are going to, you know, compete with them. It's It, it makes it tough, and, and they wonder why there's actually been quite a lot of teams that have moved over to the, the Lancashire League this, because of this reason. Um, obviously, I think in Lancashire, I think they they still got three or four divisions, so you can go in, obviously join that and join the bottom division, and then kind of work your way up or how, however you want to do it. But it's a, like you say, it's a gamble by the by the Warrington Football to kind of do it this way. But I mean, I I, I don't I, I don't I, mean, I know from 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 you know some of what the, the lads have said that they weren't too happy about it, and when it got announced at the the meeting before the the league obviously started and there was a there was a lot of teams, a lot of representatives from those clubs that were really unhappy with that decision. Yeah. It, you, you always get clubs who are unhappy with league decisions, but it does seem a bit of a strange one. It does seem a bit of a gamble. Um, we'll just talk about, talk about FC Sankey very briefly. They've just announced they've entered the FA Sunday National Cup. Um, it's a prestigious cup that to win. Um, last year, for those who've watched YouTube, SE Dons were in it. Um, it's a massive tournament and it's 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 known as the National in, in Liverpool because it's such a big tournament. Um, so we wish them all the best in that competition and we'll be bringing up updates on how they get on um, throughout the year. And that is the Warrington League Roundup so far. Welcome back to the Warrington Football Podcast with me, Wilsey. We're now going to touch upon this weekend's national results. Uh, and obviously, I think the, the big news story really is, is, is of course, the bar, really, and how disappointing and, and how, you know, the terrible decisions have, have cost teams points and, and what an absolute farce, farce it's been, really. Um, Jacko, uh, what, what, what are your thoughts? Well, obviously, the big game was the Merseyside derby this week in the yeah. local, and that and that was heavily influenced by VAR. Um, I'm not always a believer in in VAR. I think it's a good idea, but it gets into interface far too often. Um, I think you know, Van Dyke was a lucky boy to stay on the pitch. Yes, the Everton, the, the Everton, the Everton goal that was disallowed. I still haven't worked out where they took the line from. You know, the, the idea of VAR was going to be clear and obvious. Op- um, mistakes and they're not clearing obvious mistakes if you're having to draw lines if you're having to, if you're having to um, look at something four or five times and I just think you know, the Merseyside derby was a good example of it where you know it was a good game that could have been spoiled by referee decisions Yeah no I totally agree I think it was a you know from I didn't see much of the, the game but from seeing the highlights back and, and you know what the pundits were saying on match the day and what they said on Sky it was a really good game you know and that was nil-nil um, I think Van Dyke was lucky to stay on the pitch. I've seen that back. I, I, I do think I, I, it's it's a tough one. That it's kind of like a an amber card. It's like an orange card um, because the thing you've got with VAR is they slow it right down, and everything does look worse when they do that. 
but you've got to take into consideration, you know, in real time and, and what happened. But it, it's not a nice challenge. It wasn't a nice challenge at all. I think he was a lucky boy, like you said. Um, the lines what they did for the Cody goal as well. I just, you know, it, yeah, that it, was, it was awful, awful. absolutely but, awful. The one thing for me with VAR, which you know, I I I don't like. You know, one of the reasons I'm actually seeing the benefit of Burnley getting relegated now because I can I can celebrate a goal when it goes in. There isn't anything to worry about. I think that VAR should be used like they do in rugby league, where you can actually hear what they're talking about the officials. Yeah, that'd be good because the rugby league they do make a drama about it. You know, and it's like yes. everyone anticipating, everyone's excited about it. That's that's how it should be. You, you can hear you what they're trying to talk about. You have to look it about. back so many times, just like they had to do with that Everton goal. Then maybe you should think, you know, after looking at it like four, five, six times, if you're still unsure, just go with the on-field decision. This is that's what rugby league doing it. I mean, me and Wales have been on the radio show where we regularly tell the Mickey out of rugby league, but they've got they've got the video referee, right? And I want to make this clear. This isn't VAR I'm having to go at because VAR itself should work. No, it's, um, the, it's, it's our referees who are incompetent yeah. at doing it. It's and the it's referees the... who can't even spell VAR, that's the <laughs> issue. <laughs> and, I mean, there's been a, there's been a whole whole load from this weekend and it's just, you know, I, there's got to be a better way of doing it. I, I always believe it should be a coach's challenge. So if it's a, like, a, like and Ash, you're a big fan of American football, if it's that blatantly obvious and blatantly wrong, the manager should be able to put in a challenge. Like you know they have at Wimbledon with the tennis. They yeah. have like a player. Yeah, like somewhat like, yeah. I agree with there, Jacko. I agree with that. Because the way it works in the NFL, for an example, like you said there, is that if the refs have no idea, they just can't call it, then they go to a review. But um, the refs call what they see, and then they're um, you know, that's the that's playing then the... Um, you know, the opposition team then has you know a certain amount of time to try and challenge it. So they're scrambling, looking looking back on the tablets, see whether they should challenge it or not. And but, um, but the, the the thing is there that when you do that, just like with with tennis, for example, you know you get so many challenges. You know, it's how do you penalise a team if they challenge it and the refs call was correct? How would you penalise the team there? Is it just a number well, of challenges or some like, oh, yellow card to a random player or something? No, I would give them one challenge. So if it's so it's because it's for clear and obvious errors. So yeah. It's not like cricket. Cricket have got it wrong. Where cricket allow you to have three. I think it's three challenges. And if it's borderline, you get it back. To yeah. me, if it's if it's clearly wrong, that's when you challenge it because you can yeah. see it's clearly yeah. wrong. If then you lose, if you lose that challenge, and then something blatantly open, something blatantly happens later on, that's your own fault. Do you know what I mean? If you've if you've wasted your challenge in the first half, that's your, that's fault. your fault. You know what I mean? And what I think that's. To me, that's what it should be done. That's how it should be working. One thing I've noticed as well, I don't know if you guys have picked up on this, but when 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 you're watching a game that goes to, to VAR, they show you all the different angles, but then when the referee goes to the monitor, they're not seeing every angle that we are. It's like they're picking and choosing what angles they want them to see to influence their decision. I mean we actually we go on, sorry. Sorry, Wills. I was just saying the one that was the one that really annoyed me yesterday was the West Ham one. It you know. Mendy yeah, flew, yeah. yeah. Mendy flew him, flung, flung himself at the ball. He dropped it. Bowen tries to jump over him. They throw it right down. Mendy knows he's made a clanger. That's why he stays on the floor holding his shoulder. Yeah. yeah. And and they then they then penalise West Ham for something that wasn't even a foul. And it's it's and Wills, you probably feel like it's being a being a Burnley fan. It's almost like the top six get away with absolute murder, while everybody else seems to get. 
pinged for everything. Well, I, I, I picked up on this a bit like last season. Obviously, the VAR has been out for a couple of seasons now, but I was kind of only an hour and about it. At first, I actually thought it would benefit smaller teams because I think I thought it would be fair for everyone. But as it's actually gone on, it only favours the, the bigger teams. I literally feel like they make the decisions based on what budget is on the show. And, you know, that, that's my opinion. Um, the West Ham, like you say yesterday, um, the goalkeeper knew he made a mistake and he, he's cheated. He, he, he's pretending to be injured. Bowen couldn't have done anything different. He stepped over him. You know, uh, that was, that. it was ridiculous. And I can understand, you know, uh, why David Moyes is so angry and why, um, why, why obviously Declan Rice is so angry. And, um, you know, he, he said something in the in interview that he's had to apologise for. It was, you know, these are, I heard one of the pundits say on match today, you know, these are, these are athletes that work all week, they train for these games and, and, and to lose, you know, by something that, that shouldn't happen like that. I mean, another one, Jacko, obviously, and, you know, with, with your team lead, Jesse Marsh, he got sent off yesterday um, because he felt like they should have had a penalty and he had a point. It was a um, penalty, yeah. Yeah. Well, the initial shirt pull was outside the box. So I don't know whether they'd have, they'd have obviously given a free kick for that, but in that game, he, oh, he was going mad there, Jesse Marsh. He, he, he ran on a pitch at one point. Yeah. He? Well, there was one bit in the, in the, in the, in the Leeds game where, the referee there was a there was a penalty for Brentford. It probably was a penalty, but the yeah. referee didn't give it. The referee didn't give a decision. He just said it was a corner. Didn't didn't say no penalty or anything. And Vass said, it, "Oh, it's got involved." That nobody in the ground questioned it. I think even like yesterday with the Liverpool game, going back to Liverpool versus Everton, no one would have questioned that kind of Cody goal that had been given. No one would have said a word. Yeah. It would have been like, "Oh, yeah, it's a goal. Fair enough." And it is, like you said before, it's taking the joy out of football. Tim, what do you think of that? Yeah, I think it's sketchy. I mean, I watched the Villa game yesterday as well, and Coutinho's goal. That was a goal. Oh yeah, yeah, that was another. He's blatantly onside. He scores an amazing goal, which actually puts the other team massively under pressure, and they just sort of wrote off. It, no, again, offside. It's wrong. It's wrong. Again, for me, you know, is that because they were playing City, a big side, and the referee? They've been told. You know, to, to let the play go on till it reaches going out of play and then they can refer it back. But he literally blew the whistle before Coutinho just about strike the ball, didn't he? Yeah. And and to be honest, Villa deserved to win yesterday. Yeah, you're right, they did. They played really well. But I I, I think you know the the quality of the referees is um is like quite poor at the moment. And all this whole thing about um you know respect referees and you know a lot of referees do get a lot a lot of jip off the uh, the players, the crowd, you know, whoever. And um, there's a lot of bad things which do happen to referees, which is, you know, it's it's not acceptable. But at the end of the day, when when a referee can impact a game so much that it makes people that angry, then these people shouldn't react. But at the end of the day, some of the decisions do cause people to get angry. So I think, you know, part of um, the whole respect campaign is... First of all, you know, show respect to the referee. You know, we see it in rugby. They're very respectful there and across all the sports. But it should also be, referees should be able to be um, accountable somehow, you know, explaining what they saw, what their decision is, why they've done it. You know, like, 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 we, like we see, you know, where you can, the mic's up, you can hear them talking. Yeah, I've seen some things fun. from the Australian A-League where they mic up the referees and you can hear the referee talking to the players and the referees are outstanding. You know, they... 
they're, they're going through everything in detail with the players and the players are happy to accept it, accept what's what's going on. I think we need something like that in the in the game over here, you know, video referees, referees on the pitch, all across the board. If you speak to if you speak to right, I've I've heard referees talk like after dinner speeches and stuff, and they've all said they would love to be mic'd up so everyone can hear what was being said. Because one, the players wouldn't come up to him swearing at him, because if they did, they'd get sent off because he could hear it on the TV. Yep. And two, it would be a it would be you could everyone could understand what they think. Because I don't expect a referee to be able to say everything. You know what I mean? It, there's no chance him. that was the idea of VAR. VAR That's was the idea of VAR, yeah. Yeah, that was the idea of VAR. Is if they made a massive clangor, then they could refer to it and then you know, at the moment they're expect it's getting worse because they're they're getting dragged over to look at a screen. Well, if they go if they go to the screen, it's like going. To, I know Michael Oliver did it yesterday, where he went over to the screen and overruled the screen, which I thought was good. But that's the first time it was done. I was just about to mention that. Yeah. So he gave a penalty uh, for handball, didn't he, in the yeah. Forest game? And VAR basically said to him, "We're not sure. Do you want to go back and check it again?" He went over to the monitor, checked it again straight away, and was like, "Nope." I'm giving that as a penalty. That's what Tim, you want to see. Yeah, Tim, do you want to say something? Yeah, so you guys know I'm a big United fan, but Arsenal played really well today. And there was an incident on the pitch where, you know, they're supposed to be letting fouls go and things like that. And there was an Arsenal player who made a challenge in the middle of the pitch and they went on to score. A couple of minutes later, the goal was disallowed. It was, it was the softest tackle I've ever seen in my life the guy was stronger than him knocked him over it was Odegaard knocked him over oh, knocked Ericsson over in the middle of the park yeah. and they went on and scored that would should you, have been a goal would you have said that was a clanger by the referee because I don't think it was I think I was. I saw the game and it, yeah it was It was a strong challenge the referee let it go it wasn't like he was you know Odegaard picked the ball up and ran with it five yards and kicked it you know that was it wasn't a glare on the obvious it, no, it was just the how, shoulder to shoulder. I'm stronger than you. You've hit the floor. Yeah. yeah, and that's how we want football to be played. We don't want them to be... Well, I personally don't want people to be fairies on the pitch, kicking and screaming. This is the so, point that I was making before where we need to hear what they're, they're talking about, the referee, to VAR, whoever the official is, because at that moment in time, the referee gave the goal. He gave it. You know, he didn't blow for the free kick. He was convinced that was a goal. And then something has made him change his mind. I think I think it's his new Howard Webb haircut. I mean, <laughs> Howard, <laughs> Howard, Howard Webb at Old Trafford, you know what I mean? He might as well have been Alex Ferguson's love child. You know, if you remember Is back in, the Jackal haircut. No, no, I'm, I'm not famous enough. <laughs> He's taken over, isn't he, Howard Webb, in December, I think. Yeah, I've seen that, yeah, yeah. He's becoming the head of the, the bar. I Matt did, Webb. I did, uh, yeah. I really rated him as a referee when he was. Um, when he was, you know, when he was on the pitch, so um, you know, hopefully that is going to be the point in which he's going to improve things for the uh, for the VAR. Yeah, so do I, Ash. So do I. Yeah, they've had quite a few in a few years doing that. I wonder why, why like the finance so hard because I, I think Mike Riley's going to. No, Mike Riley was doing it at the minute, but he he's quit. Um, Mike Dean's gone into it as well, isn't he? He's been a VAR official, isn't it? Yeah. Go on, Tim. Yeah, that, that's probably because they get so much stick for the rubbish decisions they're making. Probably getting death threats through the door. But I do I do think that they should only get involved for an absolute clangor. They shouldn't get involved in anything else. So if like I said, if it's like I'm watching I'm watching Serie A now, um, it's on in the background and 
you know, there's a there's a foul here, but they're, they're not looking at it. They're not going. They're not going to the screen. They're just getting on with the game. Everywhere else, every other sport other than the English Premier League have got it right, and I don't start. I don't see how it can be so difficult for the for the rest of the rest of the clubs to or the, the league to get it spot on. Why could we be getting it so wrong when when ours is the biggest league? <laughs> exactly. This is I, this is where it, where it comes down to my point, saying where the big teams get the decisions right. If if that if that decision today. That disallowed goal for Arsenal. If that was man, if that was like Man United on Nottingham Forest, for instance, and Man United picked the ball up off Forest, that'd be a goal all day long. But I, you touched on it before as well, Willsey, where he's taking the joy out of football. You see, yeah. you see, there was there was a goal in the Brighton versus uh, Leicester game today where McAllister's got an absolute world and it got disallowed on a technicality. And it's like that was a worldie, and yeah. you've just disallowed it on a technicality. You know. I want to celebrate a goal at football, knowing, I mean, it's the way I love being at town because, you know, it's not going to go to VAR because there's only one camera on the entire field. But, you know, you see a worldy goal, actually, you were the same at Rylands, where you see a worldy, you know it's a goal. You have a yeah. quick look at the lines to make sure he's onside. You know, it's a goal. They don't start getting lines out and start measuring up, you know, where his armpit air starts and stuff. I think it just becomes a bit ridiculous. That's, that's what I'm feeling like now, obviously, being back in the Championship, it's, you're in the moment, aren't you? You know that the emotion that you feel when you score, you know that can't be taken away from you. Whereas, no. like you, you, in the Premier League, you celebrate like half-heartedly because you don't know if it's a goal. And that's yeah, the same I'd... for the players as well, though. The players are going, yeah, and then they're going, yeah. oh, right. I'm gonna wait. I feel five sorry for some of those yeah. players because they go off cheering, they're celebrating, but then they're always looking over the shoulder, and then the refs like, yeah, go to VAR, so and they stop, don't know what's going on. And then it's like, yeah, it's given. And then they go off. It's like, well, the you know, moment's gone now. They still celebrate, but it's like, oh, uh, you know, he it took it took the fun out of my celebration. Well, there was a great there was a great moment yesterday. In I was about game, to mention that in a Tottenham game yesterday, where Richardson <laughs> scored, took his shoe, and I, again, I thought it was a goal. There wasn't a great deal wrong with it. Goes to VAR. He's offside by a toenail, but he's booking us to get revolt for being taking his shirt off. Oh, he's you're joking! No, oh, he's, oh, <laughs> how is that? Oh. I don't really like Richarlison. I, I can't believe that they, they, that is not revoked, if you get me <laughs> Well, so, can you imagine, though, if he if he ran off, celebrated, shirt off, whatever, and like, oh, VAR, so he puts his shirt back on, and then he's like, yep, gold gear, runs off, takes his shirt off again. He's like, you're set <laughs> off. <laughs> We're waiting for that to happen now, aren't we? <laughs> the thing about it is, though, is, again, if you see an offside goal, it's miles offside, and they miss it. That's where VAR should get involved. If they have to start drawing lines on, they haven't got a clue. They haven't got a clue if he's onside or offside. So don't... It's not a clanger for me. You know what I mean? If you see a yeah. goal, it should be... That's a goal. It's not a I think clanger. it's the consistency because sometimes the lines look different. Yeah. They look like they're marking on... There's, there's no, like, clarification. You know, wh- wh- where are the lines going to be? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, there's been... There's been, you know... It's going to happen, you know, it can only get better because it really can't get any worse. This weekend, I think, has been the worst weekend. There's one more that we've not touched upon. The Newcastle game, Newcastle scored. And um, the Crystal Palace defend, defender has pushed Joe Will- Willock into the goalkeeper. And, uh, and the Crystal Palace defender has then scored their own goal, but they've deemed it to be a foul on the goalkeeper. Um, but if you look back at the, the replays, the Palace defender clearly pushes him into it. Willock's about to head the ball in. Yeah, definitely. Now, as we've slagged off VAR so much, I think that's a good time to end the Warrington Football Podcast. On a positive note, um, 
Big thank you to Willsy, to Tim Tate and to Ash Platt. Mike Bayless, keeping us in check on timings. This is the Warrington Football Podcast. And once again, we've shown we're more than just a rugby town. For the Warrington Football Podcast.